When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, welcome to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. This is Luke Thompson speaking. I'm the guy who does this podcast. That's why it's called Luke's English Podcast. It's not exactly rocket science, is it? You don't need to be a genius to work that out. Oh, this is Luke's English Podcast and his name's Luke. Oh, he must be the main guy who does this. Yep, exactly. You've managed to work it out. Well done. Good job. Well done to you for being sort of vaguely intelligent, uh, intelligent enough to just get the basics. You understand what's happening here. I'm Luke. This is my podcast. All right. Some of you already know this. In fact, some of you have heard me say this loads of times before. In fact, this is typical of what I say at the beginning of any episode. Hello, you're listening to Luke's English Podcast. Welcome to the show, etc. Usually then, I'll go on to ask you a question about how you are right now at this moment. For example, something like, I hope you're well, I hope you're fine. I hope you're in a comfortable position. Normally, I will inquire about uh, your, your physical condition at this moment. Something like, how do you feel within yourself? Are you in a nice place? What are you doing at this moment when you're listening to Luke's English Podcast? Are you sitting? Are you sitting directly in front of the computer, giving your, your all of your attention to this? Have you switched off the lights? Are you, have you got your eyes closed? Are you sitting in a water flotation tank? Or even lying down in a water flotation tank so that there are literally no other st- stimuli um, that you're experiencing, no other stimulus other than... Uh, Luke's English Podcast. Maybe that's what you're doing. Or, alternatively, you could just be out and about, couldn't you? You could be out and about, walking around, listening to this on your headphones, walking down walking down the street. That's a nice experience, isn't it? I do enjoy listening to podcasts when I'm walking. I like that. Some people I know can't do it. They can't. They literally can't walk and listen at the same time, which is amazing to me. Um, but personally, I find that to be very pleasant. I also like to sit on public transport. As you well know, ladies and gentlemen, I love to listen to podcasts on public transport. Um, here I am recording this episode. And uh, that's obvious because you can hear it. But anyway, here I am recording this episode. And I'm well stocked up here at the... Um, what am I going to call this place? The place where I record my episodes. What shall I call it? I'm going to call it the um, the Space Pod Okay, here I am, high above the streets of Paris in my space pod, where I record episodes of uh, Luke's English Podcast. I quite like the idea of calling it a space pod. To be honest, it's just a room. But it does feel a bit like a space pod, um, just because um, I'm quite high up. I'm on like the sixth or seventh floor, so I've got a view over the rooftops of Paris. It's Hollywood stuff, it really is. It's like living in a Woody Allen movie. As I've mentioned before in previous episodes, I look out of the window. Boom, there's the Eiffel Tower. Just there, right there in my face. I can see the view of the Eiffel Tower 
from my window as I'm recording this. Also, as well as the Eiffel Tower, I can see a bunch of other stuff, including just that kind of stereotypical Hollywood version of of, um, of the streets of Paris. You know, like in a Disney movie or something like that. That's what it, that's what it looks like from here. And I've got lots of windows around me. I've got a window in the front, window on the side, window on the other side. So it feels like I'm in a pod above the um, the city of Paris. Oh, admittedly, that's not really space. It doesn't really count as being in space. But I can see the sky quite well. I can see a lot of sky. So I like to imagine that I'm in a space pod here uh, recording an episode of the podcast. That's a new development on Luke's English Podcast. Okay, that's a new thing. Hopefully that's going to become a, a recurrent thing. Will I remember that this is called the Space Pod? I think I will, um, because I like that, so it's going to stick in my mind. Anyway, um, I'm well prepared for this episode. I mean, by that, I, I don't mean that I've, I'm prepared in terms of things that I can talk about. I'm kind of semi-prepared on that front. But um, more importantly, I am armed, let's say, with a, a nice cup of a nice cup of tea... I've brewed myself a cup of English breakfast tea, which I've got here with me. I, I, at this point, normally I would slurp the tea um, to make some kind of point. I don't know what point I would be making. Uh, but I'm not going to slurp the tea too loudly. I'm just going to drink it normally. Here we go. Mmm. <sighs> Lovely. Nice cup of English breakfast tea, uh, which can be hard to find around here. Um, but I've managed to import some from Britain. I went uh, back to London not long ago, and I went to the supermarket, and I bought a big box of Yorkshire Gold, which is my favourite tea, Yorkshire Gold. And uh, Yorkshire Gold is great because it's um, it's quite a strong brew, so if you leave the tea bag in the cup for a while, uh, you end up with that nice sort of um, dark brown colour. And of course I put milk in. You might be thinking to yourselves... Well, Luke, as a British man, you must be something of an expert when it comes to making tea. And you wouldn't be wrong. In fact, you'd be right. Um, well, I say an expert. Basically, I mean that I'm, I've had lots of practice at making cups of tea. And I know how I like my tea, okay? Let me just explain to you briefly how you make a cup of tea. Um which I've probably said before in the podcast. This is becoming a running theme, isn't it? Oh, I've probably said that before. I've done that before. Well, after nearly 250 episodes, yeah, I have said a lot of these things before. That's about 250 hours worth of um, of podcasting stuff. So um, forgive me if I repeat myself. Anyway, what I like to do is get a nice uh, tea bag, like a Yorkshire Gold, PG Tips, something like that. Uh, whack it in the mug. And you need a nice, big, generous mug sort of mug that you would drink a big American coffee from. So a big, generous mug. um, Boil some fresh water. uh, And then as soon as the water's boiling, and it has to be fully boiling water, okay, just chuck that boiling water directly on top of the tea bag in the cup. You don't need to worry about heating up the teapot or using a teapot. Just stick it straight on top of the tea bag in in the mug. And leave it for a few minutes. Don't touch it. Don't don't stir it. Don't do anything. Just leave it uh, for a two to three minutes. Um, then you will probably want to add your milk. And yes, I do recommend that you add milk. Add um, a few dashes of milk until you've got the right colour that you want. And you want a nice sort of deep tan uh, colour, a kind of a, a brown 
tan sort of colour. Uh, not too light. It shouldn't be too insipid. If it's light and, and it's almost like a sort of a, a light brown or even a greyish colour, then you've gone horribly wrong. You need to brew the tea for longer. It needs to be a nice, deep, dark tan colour um, with milk, with enough milk. Not Don't skimp on the milk. You need to be fairly generous until you've got a nice um, tan, milky tea. Then get rid of the tea bag. Don't keep the tea bag in the cup. What are you doing? No, you need to get that tea bag out, get it in the bin, or just chuck it in the sink. Then you get yourself some biscuits, and Bob's your uncle, you're all good. Now, I just said Bob's your uncle, didn't I? You know you know what, listeners? I've started recording this episode of the podcast, um, but um, the the topic of this episode is yet to be decided. I've got a few options in front of me. Um, all I knew is that I've got a window of time for me to record something for you to listen to. And I've got a few different options in front of me. Um, loads of different options, in fact, of you know podcasts that I'm working on at the moment, uh, things that probably need a bit more preparation work before I start recording them. And uh, I just thought, right, I don't have enough time to keep preparing. I just need to hit the record button and see what happens. And that's what we're doing now. So I'm at a kind of crossroads at this point. Which one am I going to do? Which podcast am I going to do? And I think I'm going to do this one because I'm not sure how much I, how much time I've got. Um, so let's see. I just I, what was I doing? I think I was just googling or was just surfing the internet. I was on some website, and I ended up finding this page called Eleven Idioms That Only Brits Understand." And I think this is probably written by an American person who's discovered a number of idioms which only British people know. Now, I don't think it's true. I don't think only British people know these idioms. I'm sure that uh, you're going to know some of them. And I'm sure that there are Americans or, you know, Australians, Kiwis, whatever, who also know these idioms. But looking through the list, I did think, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good selection. That's a pretty good selection of, of idioms that most British people know and use on a fairly regular basis. So I'm on, a, on the website Matador Network. I don't know the, on, the origin of this website. Is it Spanish? It could be Mexican or Spanish or something. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think it's a kind of some sort of Spanish-related thing. Yeah, yeah. But the, it's full of um, articles like 13 phrases only Mexicans understand or 12 phrases only Aussies could come up with, 10 idioms only the French understand, the strangest, the seven strangest American idioms and eight French idioms every traveller should know. And I'm on the one, 11 idioms only Brits understand. I'm not sure I agree with the idea that only Brits understand it, but anyway, let's go through it. Um, and uh, the first thing I, I've noticed on this page, and of course you can find uh, the page for this episode by going to teacherluke.co.uk um, and uh, just find the page for this episode and uh, click the link that you'll find there. Uh, Eleven idioms. The first thing you see, though, is a photograph of a of a of a girl. Oh, that's Alex Masters. Who's Alex Masters? Right. Forgive me for sort of not knowing what's going on, but um, I just decided to to start doing this. But who the hell is Alex Masters? All right, I see. Alex Masters is the photographer. Uh, duh. Of course, Alex Masters is the photographer. But there's the the point is there's a picture of a woman with this sort of expression on her face and i don't know what that expression is but i think that this is supposed to be some sort of typical english woman 
and she's wearing multicolored a multicolored scarf and she's wearing multicolored earrings and she's got like a sort of um slightly eccentric uh expression on her face so i suppose this is meant to be an english person or a british person that's what we look like is it to the rest of the world this kind of eccentric um slightly uptight um person maybe maybe that's what we're like anyway 11 idioms let's go through them one by one in this magical episode of luke's english podcast um i just decided to speak like a kind of radio announcer there just for fun you're listening to luke's english podcast on this episode you're going to hear 11 idioms that only british people understand and we start the countdown with number one and here it is um it's to pop one's clogs to pop your clogs it's kind of a weird one to begin with but anyway to pop your clogs um and this basically means to die uh, no one knew that he was about to pop his clogs uh, to pop your clogs means to die um why well i suppose <sighs> clogs are sort of wooden shoes aren't they famous in in the netherlands really not really a british thing clogs more more a dutch thing you know those wooden shoes that they wear in the netherlands well if you pop your clogs i suppose it means that you what your 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 clogs come off <laughs> why does that mean that you're dead if you it's just that your pops your clogs have come off surely your your clogs could come off in any situation it doesn't necessarily mean that you're dead for example if you've got to run for the bus oh there's the bus oh hold on mr bus driver and you end up running and you've got clogs on it's difficult to run with clogs on isn't it the clogs are bound to pop off it doesn't mean that you're dead unless you you fall over in the street and you end up you know being hit by the bus and then you die that would be weird wouldn't it some kind of um horror movie about a pair of clogs that uh, kill their their owners uh, that would be strange the pop clucker i don't know what it could be called anyway to pop your clogs oh he's popped his clogs i didn't know he was going to pop his clogs um all right there you go to pop your clogs a bit of a weird one it means to die right number two that went down a treat that went down an absolute treat if something goes down a treat then it means that everyone really enjoyed it okay for example, if you have a party and it's like, oh, the cake went down a treat, didn't it? Meaning that everyone loved the cake. Okay. To go down well means to, to be successful, that everyone likes it. For example, I was doing my presentation. I told a couple of jokes, but they didn't go down very well. Meaning that uh, people didn't really enjoy them or find them funny. So if something goes down well, it means that people receive it well. They like it. They enjoy it. For example, in a party, the cake dent the the cake went down a treat means that the cake was received really well everyone liked it okay um all right number three to take the mickey now we know this one because i did it recently in an episode of the podcast um eventually on luke's english podcast what will happen is that i will just teach you everything and there'll come a point where i'll you know everything will be will be just reviewing just because I'm eventually when I've done you know a billion episodes of Luke's English podcast I will have just taught you absolutely everything that there is in the world and at that point we'll be like right we've taught you everything let's go back to the beginning and review it all which is important you need to review stuff that you've learned don't you yes I'm going to drink some tea but I've got a I've got a bit of a, uh, a dilemma here because I've realized that I can't drink tea and speak at the same time I've got my tea right here next to the microphone but I can't drink my tea 
and speak at the same time. So what am I going to do? I think that the only thing I have to do is uh, to play you a little bit of a little bit of music while I'm while I'm drinking the tea. I think that's the only thing that I can do. But what do I play you? That's the problem. Oh my god, it's not that bad, of course. Um, let's see. I'm just having a little quick uh, quick. Look. I'm going to play you some Miles Davis. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Nice. I've got biscuits here too. I've got a huge box of biscuits. But this, uh, this is actually Miles Davis and, and Carlos Santana. It's some sort of remix project. I'm not sure who was responsible for producing it. But it's kind of a modern band featuring Carlos Santana on guitar. And they're playing over the top of an old Miles Davis recording. There he is. Mm. We're just having a tea break, okay? Just give me a chance to eat a biscuit, drink some tea. If you've got biscuits, you can join in at this point. Mm. Um, well, I'm still eating, sorry. See, it's, it's very rude to speak with your mouth full. So, I'm just letting Miles do a bit of talking with his trumpet while I digest. Okay, I think that's enough. Fine, I'm back to normal again. Wait wait a minute, I need to put some tea in the mouth to slosh out the the remains of the biscuits. Okay, I'm, I'm better now, I'm back again. Right, what was I talking about? To take the mickey. You know what that means because it appeared in an episode recently, uh, the one about British slang. Uh, Take the mickey. Stop taking the mickey meaning stop making fun of me. All right. Number four, itchy feet. Itchy feet. You know, well, you know what itchy means. It's like if you need to scratch something, it's itchy. For example, if you get bitten by a mosquito, then you end up with a very itchy spot, like an an itchy uh, bite. Yeah. You know what? Just saying the word itchy makes you feel a little bit itchy, doesn't it? I know you probably want to scratch right now. See? Just you, you really want to scratch, but you can't scratch. But you want to scratch because it's so itchy. Right. There's a bit of hypnotism going on there. I'm sure that some of you listening to this are now sort of, ah, oh, oh, I feel itchy. I've got to scratch. Okay, well, now you know the word itchy, don't you? Should stick in your mind now, I hope. So if you have itchy feet, it doesn't mean that literally your feet, you know, you need to scratch your feet. It just means that um, um, itchy feet... Oh, shit. Sorry, just for a moment there, I, I had like a little moment of panic because I got mixed up between the word itchy feet, the phrase itchy feet, and the phrase cold feet. So I'll, I'll add in cold feet um, as well. So itchy feet, if you get itchy feet, it usually means you have an urge to go travelling. You, you have to go travelling. 
right? For example, you know, I went traveling five years ago. I spent uh, like six months in Australia. It was brilliant. And now I've been in, you know, I've been living in London for, for five years, working in an office, and I'm starting to get fed up with it. And I've got, I'm, I'm getting really itchy feet to get itchy feet. Okay. And that means you, you really want to go traveling, right? Okay. You know that feeling? You've just been doing your office job for some time and you realise that, you know, you've got nothing really going on at the moment, no real obligations. And you just think, I'd love to just get a plane and fly around to the world to some weird location and just experience things and go on an adventure and just see what happens. You know, I've got really itchy feet. I used to have really itchy feet when I was younger. I remember after I'd lived in Japan for two years and I came back to London and I was living in London, I didn't really, you know, know what I was doing with my life. And I remember distinctly seeing aeroplanes flying through the sky and just thinking, I wish I was on that aeroplane flying to some new and exotic destination. I had such itchy feet. Okay, so that's itchy feet, a a desire to go traveling. Um, You can also um, have cold feet. And if you have cold feet, it means that you suddenly start to doubt what you're doing. Okay, and it's usually it usually refers to being married, like getting married. Why did I have that? Uh, why did I have that phrase in my head? I wonder. Um, so, if if you have uh, if you have cold feet, basically it means that you suddenly have doubts about um, uh, getting married. Uh, I think it usually just applies to being married. It's basically a loss of confidence. Normally, it's it's just a loss of confidence. Is it only related to marriage? No, it isn't. Um, so for example, you'd say after arranging to meet for the date, I got cold feet and I phoned her to say that I was busy. So it's like to hesitate, to delay, to falter, to stall, to think twice, to change your mind, to waver. Oh, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, to be undecided, to be indecisive, to seesaw. Oh, what am I going to do? Uh, lose your nerve, to lose confidence, to get cold feet. Um, typically... Uh, related to to getting married, if someone um, if someone jilts their bride, it could be a bride or groom. the The bride or the groom may may kind of get cold feet at the last minute and panic and uh, lose their nerve and and jilt the bride or jilt the groom. I must do an episode about weddings soon. Okay, and in fact, that's one of the episodes I've got lined up. I have like a little production center here in the space pod. Okay, um, I've got uh, like lists of fra- uh, lists of uh, episodes that I'm going to do, and I've got online documents with notes and other details for forthcoming episodes, and I've got a list of of, of all the episodes that are going to come up. And, you know, when I get free time, I come up here into the space pod, and I do little bits of preparation work, and then. Uh, when I've got you know an hour or two ahead of me, I will actually record episodes when they're ready. So it's, this is my production centre. So I've got an episode about weddings and all the language related to weddings and everything um, lined up. It's in the pipeline, so you can expect that at some point in the future. So we just had to to have itchy feet and to have cold feet. Now you could test yourself while listening to this list of idioms that apparently only British people will know. You could test yourself. Uh, how many of them do you already know before I actually explain them? How many of them do you o- already know? And that could give you a good indication of how uh, familiar you are with British culture. So, so far we've had to pop your clogs, meaning to die, which is a weird one to begin with. Um, that went down a treat, meaning that 
That uh, was well received. Everyone enjoyed that. Stop taking the mickey, meaning stop making fun. Uh, to take the mickey, to get itchy feet or to get cold feet. And then to be at a loose end is number five, to be at a loose end. Um, you know, you might call a friend, all right, what are you doing? Um, I don't know, really, I'm just I'm, a, I'm at a bit of a loose end, for example. Um, you might say, ring, 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 hello? Hey, how's it going? Oh, fine, thanks. Listen, I was, I'm, a, I'm at a bit of a loose end. I was just wondering, do you fancy going to the pub for a pint? I'm at a loose end. Now, if you are at a loose end, it means you're bored and you've got nothing to do, okay? Um, for example, I just spent the whole day at home and I was, I was at a loose end. I didn't know what to do, so I thought, I know, I'll go to the cinema, okay? Uh, I called my brother because I was at a bit of a loose end and it turned out that he was at a bit of a loose end as well, so we spent ages talking to each other on the phone. Um, all right, to be at a loose end means you've got nothing to do. He's been at a loose end ever since he retired. All right, so if you are at a loose end, what do you tend to do, ladies and gents, when you're at a loose end? Do you just maybe think to yourself, maybe I'll go on to teacherloop.co.uk and see what's going on there? In fact, I think these days it's pretty hard to be at a loose end because there are so many distractions out there on the internet and stuff like that. Not that Luke's English Podcast is a distraction. Of course it's not. Of course it's not. No. It's not a distraction. It's something which, which will actually help you rather than distract you away from things. Anyway, to be at a loose end, there you are. I've run out of tea. I've drank. I've drunk all my tea. Oh, that's just that's the problem. That's the only problem with tea, is that it it runs out when you drink it all. Um, number six. There's another string to your bow. Well, it's another string to my bow, I suppose. Sometimes I think to myself, what has doing Luke's English podcast done for me? Obviously, I've, you know, helped to save the world with my podcast and everyone out there now is able to communicate. Fine. But what's it done for me? Well, I suppose it's something I can add on to my CV, isn't it? It's just another string to my bow. It's some, It's another thing I can do. I can record podcasts for learners of English, which... Um, I don't know. Is that a useful thing? If there if there was a war, would would they call me up, uh, Mister Thompson? Hello. Uh, we see that you have a very special, very particular set of skills. Would would if my daughter got kidnapped in Paris, would that help me? I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but I can tell you, I have a very particular set of skills. I'm able to upload up to an hour of podcasts a week. I've got. I get something in the region of two, two, 20,000 downloads per episode. I will find you, and I will help you to communicate. I don't know if that would help me rescue a kidnapped daughter. Of course, there I'm referring to the film Taken, which, as you know, I'm slightly obsessed by. Anyway, the phrase is to have another string to your bow. And this means to have another skill that can help you in your life, particularly related to employment. I'm learning French, so I'll have another string to my bow. For example, um, yeah, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a podcasting course, and it'll just be another string to my bow. It's another thing I can add to my CV. Now, your bow is like a bow and arrow, you know, like Robin Hood would use to fire, fire an arrow at someone. You'd use a bow, big um, like big piece of wood that's bent with a string in the middle. Now, the string, it's very important that the string is very tight and very strong. 
And the best way to get it tight and strong is to add num a number of other strings together. So you get like, a, you know, lots of strings together. And the, if you get lots of strings, um, then the, the strength is much better and you have a much more powerful bow. So in the sense that having more strings on your bow makes the bow more powerful, having more skills on your CV makes your CV more powerful. So, yeah, I'm learning French at the moment. You know, eventually I'm going to take an exam and then I'll have another string to my bow. Why don't you do this IT course? It could be just another string to your bow. It could be another thing you can add to the CV. All right, there you go. Another string to your bow. How many of these do you know? Uh, another string to your bow. That was a poet. That was a poem. Uh, I was a poet and I didn't know it. That kind of thing. Right, number seven. As the actress said to the bishop. Right. Oh, as the actress said to the bishop. These days, I find that people tend to say, that's what she said. That's what she said. So if if there's ever an, an, an innuendo, like a sexual innuendo, um, if anything sounds slightly rude, you can just say at the end, as the actress said to the bishop. And the idea is that by saying, as the actress said to the bishop, contextualizes what was just said in uh the form of like some sexual encounter between in this case an actress and a bishop all right um so that's what she said that's what they say in america that's what she said so it just is a way of highlighting a sexual reference i think these days more people say that's what she said for example you say blimey that's a big one as the actress said to the bishop or blimey that's a big one that's what she said you see what you see the way it works just um just just uh <laughs> what could i say just uh just stick it in there nice and hard that's what she said for example mhm you get the idea um um yeah all right then so in in english as the actress said to the bishop or in america that's what she said just a way of highlighting um a uh, sexual innuendo all right then Number eight, and Bob's your uncle. Now, I've done this one on the podcast before. You should know that. So if you're making a cup of tea, it's like you just put the tea bag in the, in the cup, boil up the water, pour it on, wait a few minutes, fish out the tea bag, add some milk, get some biscuits, and Bob's your uncle. Bob is your uncle. Okay, this phrase means that something will be successful in the end. It's the equivalent of saying, and there you go. Or in French, it would be et voilà, okay, which is which is a fantastic fr French phrase, which you can say at the end of anything. Uh, you put the tea bag in the cup, you add the water, you leave it a couple of minutes, you take the tea bag out, out you add some milk, et voilà, you have a cup of tea. And in English, it would be, and Bob's your uncle. And in fact, you can add something else on top of that. You can say, and Bob's your uncle, and Fanny's your aunt, which makes it even more British. So put the put the bag in the cup, add the boiling water, leave it a couple of minutes, fish out the bag, throw it away, add some milk, and Bob's your uncle, and Fanny's your aunt. Don't ask me why we say Bob is your uncle and Fanny is your aunt. Um, I'm not sure of the etymology of that phrase, but there it is. So I suppose in terms of learning English, all you need to do is get online, go to teacherluke.co.uk, download a few episodes of Luke's English Podcast onto your phone, listen to them as you go to work, try and focus on what's being said, and Bob's your uncle, and Fanny's your aunt. 
all right? Um, where's the Queen Elizabeth pub? Well, you go down the road, take the first left, and Bob's your uncle. There it is on the corner. All right, then. Bob's your uncle. Number nine. It's as cheap as chips. As cheap as chips. Which means that it's just really cheap, okay? It's really cheap. Why don't you come to see my comedy show? You're going to love it. It's fantastic. It's an hour of stand-up comedy. You get a free drink on entry. It's only £5. It's as cheap as chips. You can't lose. Okay? So that means it's a bargain. It's, it's a really, it's really cheap price. It's as cheap as chips. It's as cheap as chips, mate. Um, I suppose this is assuming that chips are cheap. Now, that's quite difficult to say. Can you say that? Cheap as chips. I've just realised that might be difficult for you to say. Cheap as chips. So that's a, an E sound. E and an E sound. E, it. Cheap as chips. Um, the E, the E in cheap, you have to uh, you have to make a very English face when you say that word. You sort of bring your bring your lips back so you're sort of smiling like a big broad smile e and you 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 get wrinkles around your eyes cheap as chips e like that it's a smile with wrinkles around your eyes you end up looking like a member of the royal family basically which of course is what you want i'm sure i don't think it is but anyway as cheap as chips can you say it if you can get it if you can get it right well done you You've taken your you've taken another step in the right direction there. Right, and that brings us on to number ten. Look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves. If you look after the pennies, the pounds will look after themselves. This is the sort of thing that our grandparents would say. And it's just a kind of method of saving money. As if to say that if you just look after the small amounts of money, then the, the larger amounts of money will look after themselves. Um if you, if you take care not to waste small amounts of money, then eventually it will accumulate into something more substantial. Look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves, for example. Uh, when would we say that? When would we say that? You might say, let's go to the supermarket. Where do you want to go? R- Waitrose? No, it's a bit too expensive. No, let's go to Aldi. Look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. And finally, number 11 in this rather random list from the matadornetwork.com. Number 11 is a nosy parker. Stop being such a nosy parker. Mind your own business. So a nosy parker is someone who's basically very nosy, someone who's extremely interested in other people's lives. So he's such a nosy parker, meaning that he's always uh, like very nosy, he wants to know what, what's going on in everyone else's lives, right? He's such a nosy parker. And apparently that, according to the Matador Network, that is the list of idioms that only British people understand. But I wonder if you, if you um, understood them already, in which case we can safely say that this article is a load of shite, because um, I'm sure that many of you knew some of those idioms already, didn't you? Um, okay, well, anyway, it was, it's interesting. Interesting, isn't it, to, you know, come across these lists of um, idioms and things. There are so many websites like this these days, like BuzzFeed and stuff like that, that have these lists of things. I think they're designed to just distract you from, um, to distract you from your working day. There, there are loads of things. I wonder if I could... Uh, have a little, uh, have a little, uh, have a little look at some of these. This one is eleven essential Russian phrases and one gesture. Uh, this could be interesting, couldn't it? 
Uh, oh, uh, no, that's not going to work because I can't do it. Um, no, no, I can't do that. Never mind. I'm sorry, but it's all written in Cyrillic and I can't read Cyrillic, uh, which is a great pity, isn't it? Uh, never mind. Maybe I should learn Russian. Could be another string to my bow. <laughs> hmm. All right, then. Um, yes, maybe I should learn Russian. There's there's other stuff here. There's other stuff. There's other 13 phrases only Mexicans understand. 13 phrases only Aussies could come up with, mate. Uh, th- 10 idioms only the French understand. Well, let's have a look, shall we? Uh, there's pr- it's all going to be in French, isn't it? All right, the number one, mind your own damn business. Um, okay, to be lazy, to make a big fuss, to be stood up. Oh, no, it's not going to work because they're all French. This is the best episode of Luke's English Podcast that you've ever heard, isn't it? I know that it is. You know what? We're going to explore some uncharted territory now at this point because um, what I've got is I've I've got my computer hooked up to uh, to my recording device. And so I could just go through YouTube and just find some weird stuff to play you. What am I going to play you? What am I going to play you here? Um, Alright. Let's see, let's see, let's see. This is a video called Gritty Brit Flick. So that means like a gritty British film. Yeah? Gritty, gritty. Gritty means, I'm doing this in a Cockney voice now. Gritty, right, means that it's like sort of realistic, yeah? So it's it's like really realistic. It's not like all glamorous and that. It's more like proper working class, realistic, maybe slightly violent, Cockney kind of drama. It's well gritty. So this is a video called Gritty Brit Flick. And I've never seen it before in my life, but it's just come up in my YouTube um, recommended videos. Let's have a little look at this. I imagine that this video will be a sort of parody of British um, Cockney accents. But let's have a little look. From the people who brought you various random gritty Brit flicks comes another random gritty Brit flick featuring characters with nicknames and regional accents. Jordy! Aye. I'm back with tear apps. Tooled up geezers walking in slow motion round the corner. What? Tooled up geezers walking in slow motion round a corner. So it's making fun of um, like cliches in British films. You know those sort of violent British films about football hooligans and things like that? Loads of tooled up geezers uh, walking in slow motion round a corner. A tooled up British geezer um, is a, a British gentleman who is armed with a weapon. So to be tooled up, tooled up means that you're armed. And we see on the video several gentlemen holding baseball bats. They're a couple of tooled-up British geezers. A geezer... A geezer is a bloke, basically. Tooled-up British geezers walking in slow motion round a corner. All right? That means, uh, just again, a cliche that you might see in British films. Um, uh, Sort of cockney... uh, Geezers with baseball bats. Maybe they're football hooligans. Tooled up geezers walking in slow motion round the corner. And freezes of gurning faces. An Eastern European hard bloke. An Eastern European hard bloke. 
So in these sorts of like Cockney gangster movies, there's always some Eastern European dude who's like an hard bloke. I'm talking about, we're, we're probably talking about films by Guy Ritchie, like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, or what was the other one that he did? Snatch. There's a couple of Eastern European hard blokes in that, ain't there? There's a couple of Eastern European hard blokes in that, aren't there? When I'm finished with you, Pizza Express will think you're on the menu. A drug deal gone belly up. <laughs> a drug deal gone belly up. Right. Now, remember what? It's all gone pear-shaped. Remember that? A drug deal's gone belly up. Well, if something goes belly up, your belly is your stomach. Uh, like, you know, if it's... Uh, what, what would be belly up? Like a... Uh, I don't know. Weird weird example. But like a, a tortoise. If a tortoise is belly up, then it's, you know, on the wrong... It's, it's, it's upside down, isn't it? It's in a pretty bad situation. So if a drug deal's gone belly up, it means it's gone the wrong. It's gone, it's gone wrong, basically. It's gone wrong, isn't it? Oh, God, this drug deal went belly up. Meaning, what happens if a drug deal goes belly up? Usually it means that, um, you know, there's violence involved. Like someone comes to the deal with the drugs and they tr- they sell the drugs to the mafia. But then the mafia realise that the drugs are fake. And then there's like a shootout or something like that. So a drug deal gone belly up. Let's have a little listen to that again, that bit. Gone belly up. Right. Cheerios. Cheerios. So <laughs> that's a scouser who's clearly purchased some drugs, but he's in fact bought a breakfast cereal. He didn't realise he's bought some Cheerios. So he's going, Cheerios! Cheerios! So he's bought the wrong drugs. I hope you're getting this that these are all um, like piss takes or parodies of British uh, crime uh, movie cliches a bag full of samink a bag full of samink now that's quite interesting just the the word samink samink means something but it's a cockney way of saying something in it samink a bag full of samink there's always some bag it could be full of money could be full of drugs a bag full of samink <laughs> a bag full of samink Horse running down a street. Poker in slow motion. <laughs> poker in slow motion. Poker, obviously the card game of poker. There's always a scene in these British crime dramas of some geezers playing poker in a back room somewhere. And there's always like some sort of montage, isn't there, of them these geezers playing poker in slow motion. Make it more dramatic. An head getting smashed up in a car door. An head getting smashed up in a car door. There's always some naughty geezer who's beating up some bloke and he, he starts hitting his head in the car door. You know, bang, bang, bang. That's a, another cliche. And it, it does happen in several Guy Ritchie mo- movies, doesn't it? One-liners to impress your mates. I like my women like I like me kebabs. Great to get old off at three in the morning. And they don't answer back. <laughs> what? I like me women like I like me kebabs. I like my women like I like my kebabs. Great to get hold of at 3am in the morning. And they don't answer back. Alright. There's there's loads of those those jokes. Like, I like my women like I like my coffee. Sweet and black. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like my women like I like my coffee. Strong and sweet. 
No? Uh, I like my women like I like my coffee. Sweet and milky. Uh, that doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> um, I like my women like I like my kebabs. Easy to get hold of at three o'clock in the morning and they don't answer back. A bunk up on a sofa with the boss's missus. All right, a bunk up on the sofa with the boss's missus. That means um, having sex on a sofa with the, the, the missus of the boss. The boss's missus, that's the boss's wife. A bunk up on the sofa with the boss's missus. Obviously, this is all Cockney language that you're hearing. Not forgetting the emotional scene in the mirror. Not forgetting the emotional scene in the mirror. So there's always some emotional scene where the hero looks at himself in the mirror and realises what he's done. All the terrible things he's done and what he's become. Oh my God, what have I done? A wide shot of a geezer looking vulnerable. (laughs) A wide shot of a geezer looking vulnerable. So a a wide shot means, you know, like a, a camera shot from a distance. Of some geezer, he's holding a bag and he looks vulnerable. He's standing around in a council estate. So a wide shot of a geezer looking vulnerable, maybe a bloke with a bag who looks like he he might about to be set upon by police or gangsters. The arty spinny shot thing. Spinny shot, that's when the camera spins around the geezer. All right. Most importantly, featuring a famous person who's never acted before. A famous person who's never acted before, it's a good point. They could bring in like some 80s British pop star. I think it was... um. What was it? In Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, they had Sting, the the musician. Although, admittedly, he had acted before, but he's not that famous for being an actor. And then they had the footballer, uh, what was his name? Who's that geezer, that, that Cockney geezer who used to play for Millwall? And he was in, uh, he's in, he's been in the X-Men. He's been in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Um, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels footballer. What's his Vinnie Jones, that's it. Vinnie Jones was in uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. So it's true, they always have some actor, some, some famous person who's never actually acted in a film before. Well, well, well. All set to a banging soundtrack from the 80s. Random gritty brick flick. Going straight to DVD sometime soon. Random gritty brick flick. Okay, yeah, that's, there you go. Right, let's have another. Let's have a look at another one of these videos from the same channel. Now, this I've, again, I've never watched this either, so I've no idea what we're going to get. Um, but this is a spoof of um, Top Gear. You know Top Gear, don't you? They, it's the very famous car program, which is famous all over the world. It's produced by the BBC, and it's it features Jeremy Clarkson, Richard uh, Hammond, the hamster, as they call him, and then uh, James May. And they're like three sort of middle-aged guys who love cars and they're very irresponsible and childish and they have a lot of fun reviewing cars, racing cars around the track and doing these stupid stunts and stupid challenges where they have to like, you know, fire a car into space or whatever. And there's there's lots of stupid humour and things like that. And Jeremy Clarkson says things like, this is the sort of car that my mum would drive. You know, and it features um, the Stig, you know, that uh, racing car driver who never reveals his identity. Um, some say he's... What, what is? What do they say about the Stig? Um, the Stig, some say list. This, the internet's amazing. You can get whatever you want online. 
So let's have a little list, look at some of the things that uh, they've said about the Stig. If you if you um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, folks, um, on this show, Top Gear, they have a mysterious racing driver called the Stig. Okay, and you never see his face because he's always wearing a helmet. And they've tried to build him up as a sort of mythological person. Um, and they, whenever uh, Jeremy Clarkson introduces the Stig. Uh, they all he always introduces him with these things like some people say he's he's um, some people say his tears are adhesive some say if he caught fire he would burn for a thousand days some say he sleeps upside down like a bat some say his skin has the texture of dolphins some say his first name is really the um, some say that his politics are terrifying. So that's the, the thing that they do about the Stig. Now let's listen to this spoof of Top Gear. I wonder if it's any good. Let's find out. Welcome to the car show where today we'll be driving fast while smoking and hating foreigners. We've got three cars and we're going to see how much more damage we can do to the environment. Why you ask? Because we hate Italians. What have they ever done for us? They were rubbish in the war and they wear stupid shoes. Being British, we're the best. And we like smoking. And what do we hate? The Norwegians. Why? Because they live near the Swedish who we hate when we're driving fast and smoking and joking about the Americans being thick. Okay, sort of not that good really. Fairly good, but uh, slightly disappointing. I thought the previous video was better. Okay, that was the Top Gear spoof. Where they talk about basically the fact that uh, uh, the Top Gear presenters are irresponsible, they love smoking, they love driving their cars fast, and they hate foreigners. Which is kind of true, really, about that show. Uh, hey, you know what I've just found here on YouTube? I found a link that says, New Headway Video 4 in one DVD. The pre-intermediate. Oh my god, I've got to check this out. This is a Headway video. You know Headway? Some of you must have used the Headway series. This is... um. Headway is basically a very, very successful series of English-language textbooks produced by Liz and John Soares and published by, is it Cambridge University Press or Oxford University Press? I'm not sure. But anyway, Headway is just like one of the oldest and, and, and uh, commonly used um, English-language course books. And uh, it seems that someone has uploaded one of their DVDs onto YouTube and this is the pre-intermediate DVD part three. Let's have a little look. Um, I don't know which edition this is. This might be an old edition. Let's have a little look at what the Headway uh, pre-intermediate DVD looks like. This is part three. When's it going to start? Here we go. Oxford University Press. Okay. They've produced a lot of quality materials, haven't they, in the past? Let's just see how cringeworthy the pre-intermediate DVD is. This is a very lovely intro with uh, pictures of Oxford and it's all very important. Oxford English video. Alright, what are we going to see? Mm-hmm, so it's like scenes of people in London. Okay, so what they've done is they've created like a soap opera. 
It's one of those cheap soap operas made by a, a language learning course book. Which are, you know, they're great. It's always a good idea. A soap opera. Hey, let's make a soap opera and people can learn and enjoy themselves at the same time. The thing is, usually they're absolutely awful, aren't they? Let's face it. They're not funny. They're not enjoyable to watch. The whole thing is a massive cringe. A cr- if you cringe, by the way, it means you kind of go, oh, oh, God. Like, it's, oh, that's really embarrassing. Oh, God, what a cringe. Well, let's see if this is a total cringe. When's it actually going to begin? New Headway Video. Pre-intermediate. I should do the voiceovers for these. Episode number one, A Clean Sweep. There's like a guy listening to his Walkman eating some toast in the kitchen. And it looks like his flatmates are sitting around. One's drinking tea. With three other people. There's excitement, there's conversation, and there's housework. Good morning. 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 Did you sleep well? Okay. Where's the milk? There isn't any milk. It's on the table. What's it doing on the table? We're using it? Sorry, would you like me to put it away? No, leave it. Is there any bread left? Or did somebody finish it? Actually, this is kind of... As an English teacher, I can look at this and think, ah, this is quite clever because they've made a situation in which the language is really simple. And already I can see that they're doing, is there any? Like, is there any milk? Is there any toast? It's on the table. Pretty basic stuff. But all around the context of, like, a group of people who live in a house together who flipping hate each other. Oh, hi. There's some in the bread bin. There isn't very much. And that's mine. What? You know, H for Helen, not M for Matt. So he's drinking all her tea and he's eating all her toast and she hates him because, you know, they don't put the milk in the fridge and the bread is all gone. Oh, wow. Okay, well, uh, I'm not going to carry on with that because let's face it, it's really boring. But it is actually quite useful, I think, for learners of English. But uh, I think that uh, we're going to stop listening to it now because... Um, I think that my skin's going to come off uh, because it's that boring. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, this has, has this been a good episode of the podcast? Well, um, I'm not okay. I'm not going to go into that situation where I start um, underselling the podcast. Hell no! Um, I think that it's time to just um, you know take us out of this episode. And and how am I going to do that? Well, I think that probably I'm going to play you this and. Uh, this is Monty Python, the fish license, in which a man goes into a, sh- uh, 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 a government office in order to apply for a fish license. And uh, if it makes absolutely no sense to you, then that's fine because it is ridiculous. Hello, I would like to bear a fish license, please. A what? A license for my pet fish, Eric. How did you know my name was Eric? No, no, no. My fish's name is Eric. Eric the fish. He's an halibut. What? He is an halibut. 
You've got a pet halibut? Yes, I chose him out of thousands. And like the others, they were all too flat. You must be a loony. I am not a loony! Why should I be tired with the epithet loony merely because I have a pet halibut? I've heard tell that Sir Gerald Nabardo has a pet prawn called Simon. Okay, it's not funny, is it? Call him a loony. You know what? You know what? What I like to do is um, have like a, a big moment at the end of an episode, boom, and then you at the end you listen, you finish listening to it, and you think that was. I mean, that was really stunning. I mean, that was incredible. He's really pushed things to the limits this time. He really expanded on on everything he's done so far. These podcasts just keep getting better and better all the time, don't they? And the hilarious fish license scene at the end, that was just brilliant. First of all, we had all those idioms so that we know how to communicate like natural English people. And there was like a subtle bit of um, a, a subtle bit of uh, piss-taking as well on the side there. And then we had that hilarious thing about Cockney movies, geezers and all that. Oh, and then there was the Top Gear thing. And then, uh, and then we listened to the Headway... Uh, pre-intermediate dvd recording and then we listened to the fish license thing um which um wasn't very wasn't very good really was it um well okay i think that um i think this at this point i'm just gonna well i'm just gonna give up i think um i did say that i'm on the seventh floor here of the building so uh, if i just open the window um if I can just open the window, I would just end it all. No, of course not. That's ridiculous. I wouldn't jump off the top and pop my clogs. No way, so, no way, squire. Right, let's listen to the rest of this stupid fish license scene in which a gentleman has gone into an office to get a, a license for his f- pet fish called Eric, which is a halibut. He picked it out of thousands, apparently. He liked it because it was so flat. Right, okay. All right, then. Furthermore, Dawn Pale thought the lady's show jumper had a clam called Stafford. After the late Chancellor, Alan Bullock has two pikes, both called Chris, and Marcel Proust had an anarch. So if you're calling the author of our la research to Tom Pear de Looney, I shall have to ask you to step outside. Yeah, don't worry, okay? I know that makes no sense. Just carry on. All right, all right, all right. A licence? Yes. For a fish? Yes. You are a loony. Look, it's a bleeding pet, isn't it? I gotta license me pet dog, Eric. I gotta, gotta, gotta license me pet cat, Eric. You don't need a license for your cat. I bleeding well do, and I got one. Can't be caught out there. There is no such thing as a bloody cat license. Yes, there is. No, there isn't. Is. Isn't. I bleeding got one. Look. What's that then? This is a dog license with the word dog crossed out and cat written in in crayon. Man didn't have the right form. What man? The man from the cat detector van. The loony detector van, you mean? Look, it's people like you what cause unrest. What cat detector van? The cat detector van from the Ministry of Housing. Housing? It was spelt like that on the van. Oh, God. I'm very observant. I've never seen so many bleeding aerials. The man said their equipment could pinpoint a purr at 400 yards, and Eric, being such a happy cat, was a piece of cake. How much did you... Right, I'm... I'm eating a biscuit, all right? So, someone's enjoying themselves. Did you pay for this? Uh, 60 quid and eight for the fruit bat. What fruit bat? Eric the fruit bat. Oh, your pet's called Eric. There's nothing so odd about that. Kemal Ataturk had an entire menagerie called Abdul. No, he didn't. Did. Didn't. Did, 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 didn't did. Right, I've had enough of that. I know that I've said in the past that Monty Python are brilliant and everything, but that is one sketch that I don't get, all right? I'm sorry, I don't really enjoy that sketch. Um, So there it is. I said it. Now, I can't leave you on that note. 
I think I'm going to have to do this instead. I'm going to play you this, and you can't you you, uh, you can't fail with this. Let's hear it. Oh my god, come on. Isn't that amazing? Let's rewind. What a band! Of course, it's the Rolling Stones. From way back in, I think it's 1964, 1965. What an incredible sound, come on. To be honest, I just love the intro. I love that drum break at the start. Come on. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? Maybe, maybe a little bit of this. Come on, the stones are amazing, aren't they? So funky. The Rolling Stones have got to be one of the most incredible bands that we've ever had. Now, people always say the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, which one are the which one's the best? It's not a competition for me. I think the Beatles are amazing in their own right, but the Stones have that sort of dance music thing going on. It's music that you can dance to. They're just a great live band. I saw them. Um, I saw them live. They were incredible. I th- I thought to myself, they're they're all a bit old these days. 
Um, and uh, you know, they're, it's not going to be such a good show. I'm sure there'll be lots of synthesizers and backing tracks and things. I saw them in Stade de France in the stadium. We were standing near the back. But as soon as they started playing, it was like an incredible rush. It was amazing. Because I realised, no, it's just them. It's just Mick at the front, um, Keith on his Fender Telecaster, Ronnie Wood on his guitar, um, and of course, uh, what's the name of the drummer? How can I forget? How can I forget the name of the drummer now? Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. I'm a big fan. I can't believe I've forgotten his name. Uh, Rolling Stones drummer um, is called Charlie Watts, of course. And they were just an outstanding live band. And they're so funny. And Mick is such an incredible entertainer. It was one of the best live gigs I've ever seen. They, they are something incredible. This is from the 80s, this track, I think. But this is one of my favourites. It's just such a tight little groove. It's such a fun track. Bass playing. was the rolling stones ladies and gentlemen i think it's time for me to end this episode because i keep i could keep going on forever but it has to end at some point i think we've ended on a, a satisfactory high note did you get your satisfaction from this episode of course you did um ladies and gents thanks for listening to another episode of luke's english podcast but for now it's time finally for me to say for this episode at least a very very sincere and very warm and all that sort of thing uh goodbye 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 thanks again for listening to luke's english podcast for more information visit teacherluke.co.uk
Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.